I can't prove anything outside of my own head. I'm Ian. I'm Otto. We're brothers in awe. Aww. My partner is Heather. I started dating Heather's sister. Amy. So we figure this basically makes me and Otto brothers-in-law. That means that we end up at a lot of family gatherings together. And there was one particular gathering on an Easter. Me and Otto just started talking about the nature of reality and existentialism. We decided that maybe it'd be fun for us to make a podcast. And that's why we're brothers-in-law. So what's your number? I'm pretty solid to zero. How about you? I would say I'm at a negative two. I've been having some, it was uh, sermon writing day. So today, we're talking about solipsism. Solipsism is the theory that the self is all that can be known to exist. Would you like me to start by talking about why that's a thing that we should talk about? Yeah, tell us why solipsism is important to you, Otto. Yeah, so for me, um, this is a subject that I have really gotten fixated on. Uh, The story is that I was at a theological workshop, and at it, uh, the Reverend Dr. Tendeika was asking us to describe, or I guess think about, a theological concept that if we didn't believe it, or if we found out it wasn't true, we wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and for me, the thing that ultimately, like, right away came to mind was whether or not other people experienced consciousness in the same way that I did. And I realized that I'd been thinking about that question um, in different forms since I was maybe, like, 11 or 12. Wow. Um, it really caused me a lot of distress. And so I did a little bit of research about solipsism, and and I guess you probably did too. And I realized that I think my problem is less solipsism and more the problem of other minds. Hmm. That's a different problem? Yeah. Okay. So do we want to review what solipsism is in our understanding? Yeah. So um, my understanding of solipsism is that you cannot prove that there's something outside your own mind. So there's metaphysical solipsism, which is that there isn't, is basically the idea that there isn't anything outside your own mind. There's um, epistemological solipsism, which is that you um, you basically can't prove that there's anything outside your own mind. Kind of the, the agnostics of solipsism. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then there's methodological, which is basically saying you could use induction. Does that mean reasoning, logic? Yeah, reasoning and logic, right? Which I think is how you feel about the subjects, <laughs> right? Because you're like, I, there is, of course, I, other people's minds. Whenever I bring the subject up, you're like, Otto, of course, other people's minds exist. Well, no, I, for me, it's just a question of statistics. Like, let's say there's 7 billion people. The idea that my mind is more real than anybody else's mind is extremely mm-hmm. implausible. That so, makes no sense. <laughs> Why does that make no sense? Because, like, it doesn't matter if that's the entire point. I have, it's the problem of, for me, that's why I think it's the problem of other minds. Like, I have no idea that you experience any kind of consciousness in the way that I do, right? You, so all oh, I know is my own consciousness. Right. And you know nothing about me. You can't observe me. <laughs> you can't see how I feel or react in terms of different stimuli. 
I mean, we're having a conversation right now. Obviously, <laughs> there's something going on for me. Yeah, but you could be a robot. I could be a robot. Yeah, but, like, sometimes can't you see inside people? And, like, this guy who came into emergency and had this laceration, we could see his tendons. Like, he wasn't a robot. Yeah, so this is where I think I, I'm epistemologically maybe a solipsist because I think that there's just no way to prove any of it because my brain, I guess I get really stuck in epistemological problems where, like, I how can I prove basically anything? Because I, this is the sort of brain in a vat idea. I don't think it's a brain in a vat. I, think it's, I don't think it's likely, likely, but I feel that why then, why then is my consciousness in this body... Like, why do I feel consciousness in this body as this person? I mean, I personally, I feel like the mechanisms, the physical mechanisms of our being, our brain, our synapses, the, the chemistry, neurotransmitters, like, that helps create our consciousness. So the reason why you exist in that body is because there's a body and there's you in it. <laughs> okay, so let me let me ask you a question. What does consciousness feel like? I think it feels like uh, an awareness that I take in stimuli and I make decisions. Do you have a voice inside your head? Separate from me? Well, sort of. I mean, it's a question. It's a. It's kind of a, a live question for me. No, there's no voice inside my head separate than my mind. I think this speaks to something really deep. As you were saying, this goes way back for you. Right. So what was right. that initial fear that you had when, like, 12-year-old Otto was trying yeah, to figure this out? I just couldn't – I almost couldn't get out of bed when I was 12 and I started thinking about this. Like, why is my consciousness me? Like, of all of the consciousnesses – you're talking about statistics. I'm like, the only proof that I have is that my consciousness exists. That's the only thing that I have proof of. Because of that, I feel like, well, then why am I in this body and me? Like, why am I me and what makes me me? And why am I not you? Why can't I experience your consciousness? <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but... I would imagine that my consciousness is impacted by all of the experiences and the genetics that you're just you're just shaking your head like I'm completely missing the point yeah 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 you are missing the point because like there is something I believe that there is um that it is chemicals right that it is chemicals firing or and there's you know it's a biological process that we feel consciousness but then why do I feel it in this body as this person and not as some other one I know this question is ridiculous. So many people look at me when I try to talk to them about this and are like, what are you saying? I, no, I like, I empathize with it in the sense that it freaks me out that, for instance, me and Heather are these completely separate beings. <laughs> I, I just look at her and I say, you're a different human. We have so much in common and share our lives together, but we're having technically completely separate experiences. Totally, totally. And they, and they cannot overlap. We can't actually touch our consciousness together it's, other than, like, interacting between the two. You know what I mean? But I can't actually feel what she's feeling. Yes. Yes. No, I, but I feel that with everybody in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> right? And not necessarily because I feel like... Cl like, there are people that I feel closer to, of course... 
and but it actually isn't stranger to me that I'm not in their consciousness. It's stranger to me that I'm not in that I'm just randomly in this one. And and I like it the the feeling of consciousness is so unique. It's not like the way my hand feels, although is it like the way my hand feels? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes and no. Do you think of consciousness in terms of thought? Well, yes and no, right? Because there's this feeling, like when I say I'm me, what does that mean? So a few approaches would be the physicalness of your body. <laughs> I'm missing it again. I mean, sort of. It's like that me feeling. Like there's a me feeling, and it's not my body. I mean, maybe that's div like div divorcing my brain from my body in an unhealthy way. But maybe it is my body. But it's like what I it maybe it's a soul. I I'm not sh maybe what I'm trying to to reach is soul, right? But there's a there's this feeling of like I'm controlling my destiny, and maybe like I know we can have a whole conversation about free will. But there's this feeling like I'm inside here. That's me, and I'm not inside you. And I'm never gonna be inside you. I'm just randomly inside this body. And I'm feeling all these things inside this body. And we talk about it as like a biological process. But I still have a feeling that is the feeling of me. Mm -hmm. And it's in this one. Why? Again, let me know if I'm missing the point here. <laughs> it, it feels really important to me that me and you are in a sense the same exact consciousness because if I were in your shoes, I would be doing exactly what you are doing. And if you were in my shoes with my sum total of experience and genetics and whatever, you would be doing exactly what I'm doing. So in that sense, all there is is general consciousness in different forms. So I like that because it sort of helps me get an answer as I like to get an answer but like <laughs> so I have a lot of different thoughts about this one of them is this that I think is a Buddhist concept of like we everybody is the same person just at different times um kind of makes sense like where does my consciousness go after I die or before I'm alive you know kids think about this right so kids are like where was I before I was born right are they talking about their bodies no Right. I mean, maybe, but I sort of know, right? When, think, about, think about 1979. The year? Yes. Okay. What do you think about that year? Um, there's that song by the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> but you never experienced it. It was two years before I was born. Right, that's why I picked it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Carter? Jimmy Carter? That, it doesn't out. matter what was happening in oh, the world. Oh, okay. right. <laughs> I mean, like, sort of it does. But so one thought is that. One thought is, like, you know, we're all experiencing this different consciousness. Um, another thought that I've been thinking about, which could actually line up with the Buddhist thought about us all sharing a consciousness, is, like, <laughs> that we're in the video game. Like, the, the, <laughs> the video game is, like, some some somebody from some higher level is like, I'm just going to experience that life and that's the me feeling. 
because there is an entity that right. is there that is actually more than the sum yeah. total of our physical components. Yeah. I have a couple of questions that I was talking with my friend Sean about that I think are relevant to this conversation. Shoot. The first question is, do you think in thoughts? I mean... Apparently you were talking about this with Heather and Amy and Sharon at Sharon's birthday. Wait, do you mean thoughts or words? Sorry, words. Of words. course not. Do you think in thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was like, what is he getting at? <laughs> thoughts beyond thinking. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of thinking in words, but there's certainly images and feelings and sensations and just like um, realizations mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. are kind of more mm -hmm. like experiential than actually mm -hmm. articulated thoughts, mm -hmm. articulated words. Do you feel like there is a conversation happening in your head? Do you feel like there is like an observer and like a con like the, the who's who is creating the thoughts because we can't always control our thoughts yeah um i mean the nature of the mind is that it thinks mm -hmm. and that is what it's programmed to do so mm -hmm. this just speaks to my assertion that we are we are just software that is mm -hmm. playing out the sum total of cause and effect that came before us and will come after us mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sure, my mind has thoughts when I'm not intentionally trying to do something, but, like, that's what it's programmed to do. Yeah. Your assertion doesn't solve my conundrum about why is why do I feel inside, like I'm inside this body, and, like, these are my thoughts, and this is Otto, and this is me. So if we could download your consciousness into a different human or a computer, would that make you feel better or worse about it? <laughs> Such an interesting question because, so what do you think about this idea that we could potentially download our consciousness into a computer? Do you think this is a possibility? Because I think, every time I think about it, I'm like, no, but then at the same time, after watching Black Mirror and like Star <laughs> Trek Next Generation with Data, I'm like, but obviously, computers could have consciousness. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be extremely difficult and probably unlikely that people can create computers capable of containing a consciousness, you know, similar to humans. But it is possible to have that. artificial intelligence. Right. You could, for instance, like, have a, some version of yourself that lives digitally, and it won't be quite as rich necessarily as what you lived as a human, but you can bring in, you know, some of the experiences and values that you hold into a digital form. But will that feel like me? It won't, it'll feel different. But will I feel it? Yeah, you will feel it, yeah. Really? Well, no, I, for me, that will be like two different consciousnesses. Right, Yours. so then why do I care? I'm not gonna bother putting my consciousness that I'm not even gonna feel in the computer. Some people really get off on that. <laughs> like, like, so what I understand is like, let's say Amy is like, I'm going to miss Otto if he dies. I'm going to download his consciousness so I can feel like I'm still talking to him. There was a Black Mirror episode like this. But that's not me. No, it's an approximation. Right. So I don't understand why somebody would want to do that. Really? It's like, it's, it's a sense of immortality. 
It's not exactly, but it, it's a version of immortality. But it's not me. I don't know. Wouldn't you like to have a slightly more constrained version of yourself? Version of yourself? But I'm not going to feel it. The, the, whatever that consciousness is, we'll feel it. If I don't care about that person, it's not me. You're like, just saying it's a completely separate entity. Yeah, like I feel like you're just sort of wasting space. All right. All right. What if we do put your brain in a tank? Mm-hmm. And so it, it really, you have the same hardware and you don't have quite the same inputs because all your body's gone, but like we keep your brain alive. How about that? Yes. Okay, I'll get to work on that. <laughs> that's like that's like that episode, um, San Junipero of Black Mirror. Did you watch that one? No. Really? That one won an Emmy Award. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should tell you about this episode, but it's really good. It's like the only gay one, too. So that's a plus. Go for it. When you start watching it, you don't realize that they're in the afterlife. Got it. Basically, it's like you have this afterlife that you can sort of like try out before you die and then when you die you get permanently put in it and like you know so this one woman is like she was I guess maybe a paraplegic and then in the afterlife she's like oh my gosh this is my I get to like relive my life and be happy and like get married to this woman or whatever Um, it's like the only happy episode of Black Mirror which is like all about death (laughs) which is kind of interesting but when I watch it I'm like only if that was really me but I don't believe it would be really me. But if it's my brain with, like, hookups and I'm in a vat, that might be really me. Would you take that? Would you want immortality in that way? This is getting deep. Yes or no? Uh, I don't think so. Speaking of, have you heard of transhumanism? I learned about it on the podcast with Josh Clark. So it's basically people who believe that the next step of human evolution is that we're basically just, we just are, we are in the computer system. Um, I don't, I guess there might be different, I don't fully know, but there might be different ways of doing that. Maybe one of them is hooking up our brains. Maybe one of them is just downloading our consciousness. But these people who are like, that's the future of humanity. And there is some folks who believe that that's why we haven't communicated with aliens because they've all just gone to transhumanism or transalienism. Maybe I should be offended as a trans person, but. (laughs) (laughs) Stole your term. I know. I know. To be fair, I feel like we stole it from, like, other things. Everyone's just stealing from the Transportation. Okay. Transportation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like we've gone off on a lot of tangents about this, but. it's, It's getting to my point about me. Are you understanding more my point about me? I still don't quite understand the confusion around <laughs> why you are you and not a flower pot. Okay, I would never be a flower pot because a flower pot doesn't have consciousness. Right. Okay. So you are another human? Right, or like another animal possibly that is experiencing some form of consciousness. I don't know. Wait, but do you agree with what I said about like our consciousness is the result of our materialism? Or do you think that there's actually... Are you, are you arguing for a soul here? Who? I'm struggling because I think, I think there is this materialism. I believe that these feelings are probably coming from 
chemical reactions and or whatever biology. But then I feel something that doesn't feel like biology. Why do I feel it as me and not as you or anybody else? It's yeah. the problem of other minds a little bit, but it's also just the problem of like, why? Why am I me? Because that's the sum total of your components. But do you, do you feel like you? I, I'm pretty sure, like, obviously humans are very different, but I'm yeah. sh- pretty sure we all experience consciousness very similarly. Well, I, I think that too. But okay. then, like, why? I mean, I think that too, and I don't, I don't have proof that anyone <laughs> does. But, like, you, like, why are you you? Why do you feel like you? Do you not feel like you? I feel like me, but I'm pretty sure you would feel like me <laughs> if, if you were in my body. That just seems so mind-blowing, though. Like, as a trans person, for example, like, shouldn't I have felt like a woman in that body? Like, in that, you know, what, what is it? And maybe, maybe if there's a brain thing that made me be like, I don't know, being trans is confusing to me, but, like, maybe there's a brain thing that was, like, you, what is even being, what is even being a man? I mean, this is not the point of this conversation, but it sort of is, but is it? Um, I feel like we, like, seem high right now. (laughs) (laughs) Are you, you? (laughs) We're not. Yeah, so I don't think I made anybody up. It doesn't, I don't feel that, like, I I am having, like, some fantastical dream, even though I have no proof that I'm not doing that either, but somehow that's not what I feel. It's more like why, it's more like an agnostic, like, why don't, I don't have proof that other people experience consciousness the same way I do. You're saying that it's just a bunch of chemical reactions, so, like, maybe I'm the only one with a soul. Doesn't, Probably not. Doesn't that seem unlikely? No, because I can't have your experience, like. But, but. I can't have your experience. That's why I'm like, maybe I'm having some kind of like, what's it called? Delusions of grandeur that I'm thinking that I'm the only person that has consciousness, which I don't really think, but like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, that sounds weird. Yeah. I, I see your point that I can't verify anyone else's consciousness. So the one I know most intimately is my own and that I can vouch for. And I really can't confirm that other people experience what I experience. But yeah. I, I'm going to take it on faith. But I see the point that I can't prove it. Right. Well, going back to the beginning, what I said was, this is my theological belief that if I found out it wasn't true, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. So I'm like very much acting as if everybody does have a consciousness. And it would be very upsetting to me if they didn't. I just like have this like naggingness about it. You know, so... We talked about, I think, like, what if Amy's not real? Like, hello, like, are you a real person? You know, when I ask her this question, she's like, I don't understand what you're asking me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we have a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. She's like this. No, this, this actually is of all of the philosophical, theological, like, existential questions that I have. This one is the one that the fewest people understand what I'm trying to say. Um which says something, that they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> Reinforces your belief. Maybe, maybe, yeah. 
No, so, so, but the other piece of that is the, like, ethical implications of this, um, which are really bad. Like, I also wonder, like, are this, this is, what, is this what psychopaths think? Like, mm-hmm. are they um, totally actually solipsist and, like, so they don't think anybody else has consciousness? That's a, that's a possibility. Side note, I uh, tried to watch a documentary about psychopaths, and uh, I fell asleep during it. <laughs> what does that say about I you? I don't know. I, Amy found me with, like, I had, like, the headphones on. Like, I was just, like, I'd, like, fallen asleep with, like, a psychopath documentary on. Like, so weird. Um, anyhow. Uh <laughs> Um, but the thing is, like, I act, I choose to act as if everybody does have consciousness in the same way as I do, because it would be so devastating if it wasn't true, because I don't want to be having this conversation with nobody, right, with, with, with a philosophical zombie, as they're sometimes called, or a robot, or, like, I don't want to be having a relationship with somebody who's not re- real, quote-unquote. Like, wouldn't that be devastating to you if, like, I know that you don't think that, but imagine, like, what if that was, how would that feel? Yeah, I'm thinking of the Truman Show, and totally, and the character realizes that he really is different from everybody else. That is extremely be- bewildering. That yeah, it seems like the most literally everybody's been lying to you your whole life, and this wouldn't necessarily be lying, but like that's the most upsetting and devastating thing I could imagine. Um, so I don't, we don't, act, I don't act as if that's the case. I have empathy. It's most likely not the case. And uh, also consequences are real, which is not to say that I'm like not going around doing terrible things because of consequences, but that's, you know, I love people, right? And I love some people more than others because they're, you know, my partner in my life and um, I'm not, uh, yeah, you can't live your life as if that is the case, as much as it has nagged at my the back of my brain since I was like 12. Otto, what can I do to convince you that I'm as real as you are? So I could think of a couple of things. Okay. One is like, what if we took half of my brain and half of your brain and did like a brain transplant? Oh. Wait, do we, we put the two ha- the other halves together? Yeah, so like you, one half of your brain comes out of your head, one half of my brain goes into your head. Wouldn't that create... A new entity? Yeah. Actually, you create two new entities. Yeah. That's the only way I could (laughs) believe it. Like, I'm just saying, like, I literally would have to be inside your consciousness for you to really convince me more than I'm, you know, convinced at this moment. Like, I don't think that you can do anything that will get rid of this nagging thought in the back of my head. I, I can't, like, represent to you somehow the complexity of what you are experiencing uh, you know, if I was able to externalize that somehow, like tell you my deepest fears, tell you my childhood memories. No. Uh, tell you things you don't know. Well, um, yeah, there's tons of stuff I don't know in the world, right? So, like, there's it, – it really goes back to this feeling of, like, I don't – I mean, I have a little bit of an epistemological problem just in the world in general, and this is part of it, right? Like, I – I can't prove anything outside of my own head. And I, I don't think it's a dream. Um, for some reason, that's not nagging at me, but like I don't know that I can prove anything else. Um, although I think it's a simulation, and that's maybe a kind of a dream, so who knows. Um, <laughs> but like I can't, 
there is nothing that you can do that would prove to me anything different, right? Because any kind of being can be programmed to act in the way that you do. But if I'm programmed so kind of delicately with such nuance that I can approximate the level of intensity that you experience, wouldn't that be pretty good? Like, I've got a box full of journals going back, like, to middle school. What if we just sat down and read those for a few hours? <laughs> but, like, people could write their author. Like, you know, there's, I just, I just don't know what I don't know. Like, what's outside of me? Like, I don't, when, it, when we talk about ants having no idea what humans are, right? Like, I don't know what I don't know, and I think it's unlikely. that I think it is likely that you have a consciousness the way that I do, but there's nothing that you will do to convince me 100%. I'm going to try and come up with something. <laughs> okay. I'll let you know. I'm a, but Because you, you're a methodological, <laughs> like, solipsist, and I'm an epistemological solipsist, nice. I think is the difference. I feel like the flip side to your solipsism issue is my experience of Sonder. So Sonder is a term created by John Koenig in the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Um, it was also popularized in a YouTube video called The Science of Awkwardness by Michael Stevens in 2015. I'm going to read the definition of Sonder. The realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. An epic story that continues invisibly around you like an anthill sprawling deep underground with elaborate passageways to thousands of other lives that you'll never know existed in which you might appear only once as an extra sipping coffee in the background, as a blur of traffic passing on the highway, as a lighted window at dusk. For me, this really helps me get out of my head because if everybody else is having just as complex and intense and nuanced experience as I am, then kind of I'm kind of off the hook. My existence is not quite as important. Mm. It's obviously extremely important to me because I can't escape my own experience. It's important to me. I appreciate that, Otto. <laughs> <laughs> but it can, I can kind of take the microscope off myself mm. and say, oh wow, there's billions of other people leading complex lives. I can kind of take it easy a little bit. So that's interesting to me that that's where you go with that, that it like gives you a positive feeling as opposed to an obscure sorrow. Yeah, it, there's definitely a sorrow part of it because realizing that I'm not important and so minuscule and you know, my experience weighted against all experience is just so small and I'm just so unimpactful, unimportant in that sense. Mm -hmm. Like looking up at the sky at night, mm -hmm. it makes you feel small. Mm -hmm. So I get the sorrow there. Mm -hmm. 
But the next part where I go to is like, is liberation. Because I can be way less con self-conscious about myself. For one thing, when I interact with other people, they are having their own experience. They're not really looking that carefully at me. And even when they are looking at me, they are experiencing me through all of their own filters and what they think about me has more to do with them than it does about me. Mm -hmm. They're seeing a representation of me. Mm -hmm. Like when I look at you, Otto, I can't touch the complexity of your internal experience. Mm -hmm. So like you got glasses on, you know, your hair's cut like that, you got a beard these days. The sweatshirt that we've discussed is not the most amazing. <laughs> I but, don't like the sweater I'm wearing. <laughs> but that is so small compared to what you are experiencing. And it really is not about you. And if I, even if I were to make a harsh judgment against you, it, it's, the judgment I'm making is about a small, small collection of facts about you or perceptions. It really doesn't even touch your whole nature. Yeah, wow. This is really interesting because I've thought about Sonder before because you and I have talked about it a little bit. I've also just had the thought of like, wow, isn't it amazing that all these people are having these co complete complex lives, um, and which has not really brought me sadness, although I wouldn't say it's brought me the comfort that it's brought you. Um, I think that's, that's an interesting thing. I've also separately had the thought of like everybody else is having their own experience when I interact with them. But those feel like different experiences because when I interact with you, it's different than Sonder. Like your, your whole life, because you're a person in my life. I have some thoughts. One is that like it feels incredibly complex that like there's all these groups of people that like how the fact that humans are even organized is like amazing to me. Um, so that's, and when I think about Sonder, it somehow makes me think of this piece that like people are just sort of like all organized all throughout the world. You know, historically, people weren't living in such large groups, so they wouldn't have necessarily had these experiences. They would everybody that they would have interacted with would have been somebody that they had. They knew that that more of their life story. That's interesting. You're in a village of 200 people. Your lives intersect all the time. Yeah. It's not like for me where there's billions of people I would never touch. Right. Right. And all these people that you're seeing, you know, I probably saw. Over 100 people as I walked out of the tea today to meet you. Um, I might see those people again, but like most likely not. I'm just, who, I'm just nothing to them. I'm a blank slate to them, right? Isn't that liberation? That you are a blank slate to them. You can do whatever you want. They don't even see you. <laughs> like do whatever I want in what context? I mean, well, one, like literally just figure out what you want to do in life and do it because mm -hmm. nobody's really paying that much attention even if they are that's true it's not really about you just right. do your thing right or i think for me it also gives me myself freedom to do nothing and be like mm. you know what i'm just gonna sit on the couch today because i'm small and i'm gonna mm. enjoy being small so is the flip side that you feel like, what I'm hearing in this is this, like, before you had Sonder, this, like, deep feeling like everybody was watching you. I think that's a piece of it, a self-consciousness. That, that's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. But it's also a feeling of um, responsibility mm -hmm. to 
make the world a better place, to do the right thing, to end injustice. And I'm not saying I've given up on those things, mm -hmm. but it actually helps a little bit to realize how small I am to say, actually the weight of the world is not on my shoulders and these things are really big and like individual humans can do a lot, but there's only so much you can do even when you try your hardest. So were you putting pressure on yourself like to be, you know, Gandhi? Yeah. I don't want to say Gandhi, but I, I will say I Sorry, have you know, put a lot yeah. of pressure on myself to be more impactful in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I think most people cannot be somebody who is like a famous social justice advocate, right? Most people are going to just be doing whatever their small part is in that world thing, you know? Um, and do we? is there a disservice to the way that, I mean, our world is so oriented towards celebrity in a way. Like, is there a disservice towards social justice when we focus so much on specific people in our history? I mean, that's true for everything, I think, and certainly true <laughs> certainly. within activism. Like, you lose all of the people who were leading their quiet lives but contributed to something much bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. The other thing is that I give other people a lot of room to be human, mm. to, mm. to be messy, to, to not be perfect, to have their own issues, to be working on their own things, like especially working as a nurse and just dealing with situations where people have made a lot of choices that have caused themselves and other people a lot of harm. I, I'm going to... I'm not going to tolerate bad behavior, but I'm going to give people a lot of latitude to like struggle in this complicated, mm. messy, kind of cruel world. And there's something about Sonder that allows me to give that back to myself mm. and to say, you know what? I am a human too. Mm. I'm get all these other people who are leading rich lives. I'm giving them some, some leeway to kind of, fumble their way through life and I'm, I'm if I give that to myself too that takes the pressure off and lets mm. me kind of I don't know mm -hmm. relax a little bit yeah you're not expecting so much of yourself in terms of activism or just anything mostly I think feeling a responsibility to to help end injustice in the world yeah 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 and, and I, I coming from a place with a lot of social privilege, being male and white and middle class and cisgendered and fairly able-bodied. Uh, I think the training I received is that I have a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make the world mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah, and you do, right? Like, you do have some responsibility, and there's ways that you can hold that responsibility without, um, I don't want to, I would say, hurting yourself you're saying that doing it was hurting myself yeah oh. do you not do you don't see it that way i definitely was doing more than i was good for me yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah as somebody who has chronic pain which is a you know there's places where that's a visible or non-visible it's not a visible disability i guess i think like 
it can be really hard to be like, I'm going to not do this thing because I think that there's, it feels like everybody's looking at you. Aren't you, a, don't you care about the world, right? You know, but, and there's both sides to it, right? Because I think some people are really just sort of not doing anything, sorry. <laughs> you know, or actively making it worse. Clearly there are people who are actively making it worse. Um, and I think in some ways, actually, all of us are actively making it worse. Um, by through some of the, but in ways that are hard for us to change because of like the systems that we're in, right? So it's sort of like you need to balance your life, right, with that. So that's that's tough, I think. And I agree with you. And I think that there is a sense that I think for a lot of folks who do activism and justice work, like how much of it are you doing um, because of the justice work and how much of it is a little bit sort of performative? This is totally off topic, but I'm going back to Sonder. Um, my dad and I, when I was growing up, we used to make this, have this activity where we used to try to get in as many people's family photos on vacations as possible. So just like <laughs> walk into the, it's like photo bombing. That's it's fun. before photo bombing. Like, so we just like walk into the background and be like, so you sort of wonder like how many people's family photo albums. And now there's like so many pictures everywhere. Like, are you in, right? Um, Cause we, you know, my parents and I have this picture of us and there's like, another family like taking a picture like behind us and you can see them and it's it's we don't know them right but it's an interesting kind of like you could be on somebody's wall somewhere you know there might be more pictures out there that other people have taken than i've taken that you're in. Me in yeah, yeah probably all right how you doing for numbers now um i think i'm feeling like it was a good conversation and it was nice to end on the sonder which felt a little bit more uplifting, I feel. So I think I'm maybe like at a one. I'm going to go positive five. Nice. I, I felt That's like really good. Invigorated by our discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Good. So do you want me to share the good news of solipsism or do you want to share the good news of Sonder first? Uh, here's my Sonder good news. I'm going to kick back and relax into my anonymity or instead... I could double down on my wildest dreams. Either way, I'll have less angst about what other people think about me, less judgment of myself, and because I'm not consequential enough to get concerned over, that will make it easier for me either way. Well, mine's not quite so uh, well thought out, but I would say the good news of solipsism is that I do have empathy and I love you, so I'm not going to do bad things to people. <laughs> I love you too, Otto. <laughs> Aww.